Hello, I'm Simon Tomlinson and welcome to episode 6 of We Are Alcohol Free. This is a podcast all about stopping drinking and getting alcohol out of our lives. Each week I interview someone who has done just that to find out why they stopped, how they did it and what the benefits of being alcohol free are to them. Today's episode is with Matt McCormick who is a father from Glasgow. He works in IT and he's also a coach helping people to stop drinking. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi Matt, how are you? Not bad, Simon. Thanks very much. How's yourself? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. I'm really looking forward to this podcast with the two of us. It's going to be a bit different for me because normally it's the other way around. Normally you're the one asking me questions and I'm the one talking, but this time it's going to be me asking the questions and you doing most of the talking. And the reason for that, for for people listening, is that Matt is a coach with One Year No Beer and Matt leads... Um, a lot of the Zoom calls, which I attend on a daily basis, so I I speak to Matt on a on a very regular basis. So I feel like I I know you quite well, although I don't know that much about your story. So I'm really looking forward to finding out more about it. If I can just say though that um, yeah, you're right about one year no beer. Um, I'm not here as a representative of one year no beer, just to to make that nice and clear right from the start though. Um, but yeah, ha- happy to talk about it as long as it's, you know, in general terms, absolutely. It's a fantastic organisation okay. anyway, you know. Yeah, it it is. And it's been mentioned on a lot of the podcasts so, for, so far. But yeah, like you said, um, you're not representing them and I don't have any affili- affiliation with them. But um, it's definitely been, been a useful tool for me. Um, and I imagine it has been for you, which is what I really want to find out from you so Matt can you first of all oh no before we get started actually how many days are you alcohol free now if you're still in days or are you counting more in years and months um I can't remember I normally have to look up a spreadsheet (laughs) and I'm very quickly looking that spreadsheet up and I'll tell you in a wee second. Okay. Is one thousand one hundred and thirty days, which is wow. three and a bit years. Three point ten years. And that is an amazing achievement. I think it's fantastic a, f- a fantastic thing that you've been able to do and that you are continuing to do. Um and I kind of want to get more of an idea from you of what it's like now that you are that far into your um, alcohol-free journey, but we'll come on to that a little bit later. First of all, I want to find out what was what was your life like when you were drinking, and what kind of like negative consequences was it causing for you? Um, what was it like? Do you know? It's been such a, a gradual thing that you sort of I find it hard to say what it was like what i do remember is that i didn't do much you know when i was drinking a lot of it was um i would start to do things um but i would start to do things with a drink a beer a whiskey wine whatever and i would start to do it and then i would go yeah i can finish that tomorrow night so nothing much ever got done um the consequences of it were as well because I was staying up to all sorts of hours, you know, I mean, we're talking three and four in the morning 
I would be getting I'd be getting the munchies and the next thing we know I'd be having a full meal so my weight went up a lot and this was over a number of years so my weight went up a lot over that number of years you know so health terms not brilliant um it's in the last few years of drinking it really got bad um and it's only starting just starting to get better and that's after three years it's it's not you hear people going oh uh, um i i stopped drinking and within three months you know i was running a marathon well, that's probably because they they were running beforehand um i definitely wasn't running beforehand um so getting there but it'll take a wee while you know and um what sort of level were you drinking at what what um what was your drink of choice and and how much were you drinking on a sort of daily or weekly basis um difficult to say in units um but it would be depending how a depending on the mood I was in it would either be beer white wine or whiskey um okay and i would say that at its at its peak if i get into a mood with whiskey it could easily be about four bottles a week um spread over most of the week yeah which is a a fair amount of alcohol to be consuming isn't it uh, yeah uh-huh yeah and the thing is because i was putting on so much weight i just put water in the whiskey and believe it or not i thought of that as a dietary um solution you know that's <laughs> the locale version of drinking alcohol you know yeah it's funny how some of the things that we can do to try and keep alcohol in our lives when really it should be the alcohol that we're we're getting rid of yeah definitely definitely so yeah i was just i was pretending about a lot of things when i was drinking and um do you do you think that there was a particular reason of why you drank i think um i was bored I didn't start drinking, well, I can remember um, just before I was 18 was probably the first time I went into a pub, but it would be a number of years before I went into a pub after that, you know, um, and went through college, typical stuff. Um, and I can remember I wouldn't drink all week and then Friday or Saturday night would be with my, my mates and it would be six cans of beer. I know it was six cans of beer or six pints because that's what we could afford. It was, it was that simple, yeah. you know. And that seemed to be enough and until the next week. And I used to play in bands quite a bit. And the more I get into bands, the more that the rock and roll lifestyle kicked in. And we were all drinking, you know, we'd rehearsals. And I always had this thing where I wouldn't drink if I was performing. But rehearsals was a different thing. So we used to rehearse, for instance, on a Friday night. And one of the reasons we came up with that is we would rehearse from six to nine. And then we would go straight into the town because it was in Glasgow. The rehearsal studio was right in the city centre. So we would just do that. And that just seemed like a cool rock and roll lifestyle. Everybody was doing the same. And then then as um, as life went on and the band stopped and i was working then i suppose yeah i suppose that's when i work in it now and i started getting involved in a lot of projects and projects at their height 
certainly at that time, it was a small team. Again, you would be involved with a lot of drinking. You know, you'd be starting very early in the morning, finishing quite late. Everybody to the pub up the next day, same thing again. And you just get into the habit of drinking, you know. And then when things started calming down, when I was stopping, the bands had gone, the projects weren't so often, I just got bored and it was late night. And especially once um, we had our son, um, not that it was anything to do with him, it was just coincidence after that, life got very slow. You know, young children, they get very, your life does get slow. And so once he was in bed, I would start drinking and I'd get more and more and more. Um, and a classic one is people will often say that the drinking really happened when they're by themselves. And I definitely found that. And the whole thing about switching off, that was definitely it. I was bored. Um, Facebook was telling me about what all my friends were still doing, but I wasn't. Now, don't get me wrong, at no point was there any resentment. Um, I absolutely love my son. We wanted him. We really did want him. We wanted a child. So there's no resentment that way. But I did get bored, you know, because my wife was out working um, night shifts. So it was me and I was in the house myself. And that's when the drinking became regular. It was the way of a classic phrase, I suppose. It was a way of switching off. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of people do use drinking as a way to relax and as a way to switch off. And, and it is quite effective to do it in 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 the short term, um, and I think that a lot of a lot of people also recognise that they might be slipping into bad habits when they start drinking at home because once you do it a few times, it can become a very easy thing to do and a very habitual thing to do. And what starts as being like one or two nights a week can, can very easily turn into drinking every day and those it doesn't happen overnight but it kind of just gradually builds up and up over time is that how you find it found it as well definitely definitely i mean i i had certain things i would do like i would never drink before my son was in bed and settled you know but equally the older he get the lot the older he got the longer i wanted to stay up you know so as he got older when he was young um, he'd be going to bed maybe six, half six when he was very young. That was fine. Um, and then as he got older and it started getting to seven, half seven, eight o'clock. So I wouldn't be starting drinking till later and later and later, which meant that I wanted to stay up later and later and later, you know. And um, was there a, a certain time or a moment where you thought that you needed to do something about your drinking to either reduce or stop? Um. I recognised that that it was the one of the main factors of me not doing things, um, and it was a progressive thing, just something that I wanted to do over probably a few years um, that I wanted to cut down. And there was lots of lots of theories about oh, I'll only drink at the weekend, or I'll only have a certain amount, or I'll mark the bottle so that I won't go underneath a certain amount. Um, all absolute nonsense, you know. Um, the habit was just too strong. Yeah, and I've I've definitely been in in that same position as well, where I've said to myself, I'll only drink on these nights of the week, or I'll only have this amount of units. Um, but it's it's very hard to to stick to those limits that we put on ourselves, especially if we start having a couple of drinks, because then our 
uh, our willpower kind of goes out of the window, doesn't it? Oh, completely, completely. It just gets too much. I mean, I even found myself thinking to myself, this is so much fun, I'll buy another bottle for tomorrow night. You know, that, that that's the way it was. You know, I would settle down in front of YouTube or something like that, uh, watching videos about uh, musicians doing recordings and what have you. And I'd play it being a musician, you know, I wasn't actually recording anything. And, and saying that, I mean, I, I did manage to put an album out in, during that time at its worst. Um, and that seemed to, well, not massive sales, but it seemed to get um, received quite well. But um, it got to the stage after that where I wasn't writing. And you know something, although it's, although since I stopped drinking, um, although since I stopped drinking, one of the ideas was that I'm not writing anymore when I was drinking. You know, I'd put that album out. I wanted to write the next one. Um, and I, I thought, right, the drink's getting in the way. And that was probably one of the deciding factors for me. Despite health, despite all the usual things, I was beginning to resent that it was getting in the way of the creativity. And despite the fact you've got the usual, you know, um, right drunk, edit sober, you know, that old cliche. And I've done it. <laughs> you know, I've, I've done that so many times. Yeah. But I wasn't even getting to the, the writing by that point. It hasn't come back. It wasn't a case of I stopped drinking and started writing music again. It's it's being slow. Um, that's been three years. Um, myself and my writing partner is now writing again. Um, but it, it's getting there. But in a strange kind of way, even though it hasn't come back, that was probably the thing that pushed me over the edge. The realisation that I hadn't written anything for a while. I imagine that for most people, there will be one particular strong reason of something that alcohol is stopping them from doing which then makes them stop so I, re I remember for me it was because I was trying to start my own business and I knew that if I wanted to get my business off the ground there was no way that I could be hung over every Friday and Saturday because I needed that time to be productive so that was the start of me kind of like thinking well I need to try and reduce my drinking but that didn't work so I then had to try and stop so did you did you try to moderate before you decided to stop oh god I I a lot you know um I was trying to drink alcohol free stuff um which at the time was vile um I tried shandies um very watered down whiskey you know you name it I tried it um just to to cut down the amount of units and i wouldn't say it was like i there definitely there was never a feeling of i need to drink it was more just a case of that would be the nice thing to do um or i've got a lot of work to do tonight so i'll get some drink in because i know i'm going to be sitting there working i may as well have a drink at the same time um you know, so it, it, was, it was more that than than anything else. And when you did decide that you wanted to really do something about it, what were the different like tools and techniques and approaches that you? What were the things that you really found useful to help you to stop? Um. Well. As much as I said I wasn't going to represent one year in the beer, and I'm still not representing one year in the beer. I, I went through their program as well, and it was that it was it was one year in the beer. 
um, that did it. Um, and it was the daftest of things. I was sitting, I, I think it was a Saturday morning, um, a half a half empty box. This is this is so rock and roll romantic at this point, you know. But a, a half empty bottle of whiskey in one side of the desk, and a fizzing cocodamol in my hand, flicking through the BBC website, and I suddenly found this thing that went and said, um, instead of feeling guilty about um, drink, being alcohol free is about being living a more positive life. And I thought, hold on a minute, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll watch, read this, and I watched their video, and I thought. That sounds quite interesting. I'll, I'll give it a go, you know. And literally, that was three years ago. One year no beer is is also a, a big factor for me in being able to to stop drinking as well. What what do you think it is about the one year no beer um, program or philosophy or whatever you want to call it? What do you think it is that helps people the most? For me, um, it was habit change recognizing recognizing that a lot of it is is habit and it sometimes is described the the I, I think it's mostly middle lane drinkers um rather than like uh, extremes of dependency um and the fact that there was no you you have failed you need to accept that you are a failure or anything like that. Um, I mean, I had considered Alcoholics Anonymous, um, but I could never bring myself to go. I've got nothing against Alcoholics Anonymous. They, they do a fantastic job. But whenever I looked into it, I thought, that's not me. And yeah. I met, um, I've got a half-brother and who I, I see every few decades. It literally is like that. And I met him a few years ago. This was before um, I gave up drinking. And he said, oh, I just want to tell you that uh, I'm an Alcoholics Anonymous. And I went, all right, good for you. Well done. Um, and he says, he says, it's not that I'm an alcoholic. It's just that there was nothing else around. It was the only thing to help me. And I remember thinking at the time, that's a real shame, but I can completely understand what he means. You know, um, that that's I had thought that you know I'm not an alcoholic, but well, that's the only thing I can think of. Um, and then I seen that article on the Sunday morning with a fizzy codamol in my hand, and I didn't even have a particularly bad hangover. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. It wasn't like I was in the gutter. It wasn't like I was um, throwing. A, I wasn't like at the the mother of all hangovers or anything like that. I had a mild headache that I was fixing with some painkillers. Um, flicking through the BBC website so it wasn't I was at my lowest it just seemed like a good idea mm. you know? well I, I remember searching for stuff like that when I was drinking so I'd be like drinking at home on my own and then thinking god what am I doing and then as I'm like chugging down the wine I'd be looking up on websites am I an alcoholic how can I stop drinking as I'm actually doing it in in the evening um, but I just want to come back to uh, what you were saying about Alcoholics Anonymous because I I have been to a couple of meetings and, and I, I agree with you completely that it's not really the kind of thing that I felt uh, was really the thing for me, although I do recognise that it does help a lot of people. 
And I think for a long time, up until only recently, only in the last like maybe few years or five years at the most, that um, Alcoholics Anonymous was the only option. And it's and it's still something which is only really recognised by the NHS and these proper um, organisations. Like I remember going to the doctor and they recommended going to Alcoholics Anonymous. They didn't mention any other kind of organisation that could help. But I do think that it's a really positive step forward for um, us as a society that there are organisations like One Year No Beer and there's loads of other ones out there as well um, that can help people that may not want to call themselves an alcoholic and may not want to go to those kind of meetings, that there are lots of options that can suit everyone out there. There's um, is it Annie Grace. Um, I'm always sure I'm going to get her name wrong, but I'll, I always do get the name of her book wrong, which I think is uh, Naked Mind, This Naked Mind, That Naked Mind, one of them. It's a great book. It is The Naked Mind. You the are, Naked okay. Mind. That's cool. Thank you. But in one of our podcasts, she said that the problem is that people are too society society views alcohol as a positive thing and that of course you can handle alcohol and it's a great thing to to be drunk and what have you um you know that's that's fine and if you can't handle it then you're a failure and so it's hard it's hard when someone who is one of those middle of the road drinkers it's hard for them to step forward and get help because society thinks anybody that steps forward and says yeah. I don't want to drink, well you must be an alcoholic and it's yeah. nonsense, absolute nonsense and, and that's definitely the way that I felt, I did feel like there was a problem with me and a flaw in my character that I couldn't control my, my drinking but now I'm much more consciously aware that it's not my fault, it's just that it's a uh, addictive drug and if you consume enough of it you get addicted um i'm, I'm gonna go off on, on a little bit of a tangent here because you've just made me think of a couple of um interesting questions that i haven't asked in previous podcasts uh do you have you read much what they call like quitlet or books about stopping drinking and if you have are there any particular books or podcasts that you would recommend to people uh, ever since lockdown, I've not listened to many podcasts, so I've forgotten all the ones that I used to listen to. Um, but the funny thing is that after um, the obligatory Naked Mind and then I read Rich Roll's Finding Ultra, which is a fantastic book, just full stop, it's a fantastic yeah. book. Um, by chance, more than anything else, instead of going on to, um, was it Sober Explored or... All, all these other ones or the Alan Carr books or anything like that, instead of doing that, um, I read Gretchen Rubin's um, Better Than Before. Okay. And also Charles, is it Duhigg? Um, oh, something about change. Can't remember it just now. Classic book. But anyway, so I read them after, and uh, without realising it, I kind of had... St- sort of veered off the road of Quitlet. Um and sometimes like when I read Naked Mind, um I found myself wanting a glass of wine. 
And okay. I say to people that sometimes if you do nothing but read Quitlet, you're constantly putting mm. into your mind the thought of alcohol, even though it's about not drinking alcohol. Whereas if you look at the sort of the more behavioral change stuff, then you're putting into the front of your your consciousness the idea that you're changing a, a, a habit, you're changing your behavior. And I think that's what helped me is I get really into the books about behavioral change and habit change. Again, influenced by one year no beer, you know, because there's always lots of books going on there. But it's just the way that I took it whilst everybody, not everybody, I'd be wrong to say, whilst a number of people were talking about all the quitlets and going through just about anything that with well, the title involved sober or, or alcohol or anything in between, I was like a few people away going, oh, I quite like this. And, uh, um, oh, the mindset book. I am rubbish at book names. I'm rubbish at names, full stop. I really am. But um, these kind of books, you know, even Tony Robbins, that, that kind of thing. And then later on okay. into Atomic Habits and Tiny Habits. And so I yeah. got more into that. And that almost became the interest. That's that's almost the thing that I suppose that replaced the alcohol. Because when people say, well, I've got all this time. I don't drink anymore. What can I do? Well, looking back on it, actually just talking to you, thinking about it. That's what I did. You know, I started reading these books about behavioural change. And it's a very interesting point, and I think a very important point that you made about how quit lit or books about stopping drinking can be useful. And I remember for me, certainly in the early days when I didn't know anything about it, it was very useful to read books to give me tools and techniques to use and to recognize that it wasn't just me going through it, it was something that other people did. It was really useful to read those kind of books. But after a while, after reading a few of them, I, I, I got quite bored of them because they were kind of like just repeating the same thing over and over again. Um, and it, I think it, it can sometimes make people want to drink because it's constantly bringing it into the forefront of your mind, exactly like you said. Um, so then moving on into more positive um, personal development type books is is a really good um, step to take on after reading a few of those stop drinking type books. Definitely, definitely. So, because if, you, if the only thing you're doing is, is seeing about the struggle of giving up drinking, it, it wears you down. Even though there's a positive part at the end of it, it's still talking about oh, what a massive struggle you have. So you were you were talking about you were starting to go into some of the benefits of stopping drinking. So like reading all of these kind of like positive books is is one of those things. What are some of the other benefits that you've had in the three and a bit years since you stopped? Uh, well, there's the reading the books. There's clarity of mind. Um, I managed to get like I said I work in IT and I basically got the job of my dreams while I was drinking you know um, but it was um, a really tough slog you know it really was a tough slog to not have the energy to do it and what I found is since giving up alcohol my ability to do that job has got so much more you know it's, it's, it's grown and uh I think it's coming up to about four years now since I started that job, you know, and it's the kind of job where you wouldn't be in a job if you weren't doing at least 
partially, you know. Um, so okay. it's alcohol has allowed me to keep that job and grow in that job. Um, other things is that I have started writing music again. Um, I've been doing small videos. I've been getting more involved in, in coaching, um, learning about coaching, currently doing a, a diploma in positive psychology. Um, and yeah, I've realized that I, I want to build my own, my own business, my own company, um, my own coaching service, but do more than that so that there's training. Because I used to do, I used to do training in a, a management consultancy company. Um, and I've I found I've got more of an interest in that these days. So the coaching, there's the training, the creative part is in all of that because everything I do, the core is creativity. And um, things like uh, creating courses, like when I started doing this course that I'm doing and one of the, the modules is um, described as once you've done this, you will be able to start writing your own program. And I thought, oh, excellent. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, I've started little things already um, and, and helping people. I, I thought I was a bit of a loner for an awful long time, but I realized that I get a, a great deal of satisfaction at helping people, which doesn't go down too well for this rock and roll loner image that I try to um, show, you know? Yeah. And that all, that all sounds absolutely fantastic. And it's by, by not having alcohol in your life, it's, enabled you to have a lot more time and a lot more energy to be able to focus to those focus on those things and to to give you a, a different direction in your life which I think is great and now you're you're learning how to how to be a coach was it, what was it that made you want to get into coaching in the first place was it reading all of the positive psychology books yeah uh-huh and I think uh it started to bring, like I said, I'd, I'd been training. I, I, I was a trainer um, uh, early on in my career. Okay. And I've done bits of teaching throughout of that, throughout that my career, you know, um, even doing it at night to earn a bit of money in, in the uni, um, teaching very various technical courses. And so... I think the that that and seeing to a certain extent there's a, there was an environment of there is an environment of coaching that goes along with one year no beer and they don't just do that they don't just do the alcohol free part you know there's bits and pieces they do like masterminds and so on and when I realised that that sort of sparked a lot of interest in my mind coaching was part of that but it's not when I first started I thought oh one-to-one -one coaching that's the be all and end all that's the flagship you know that's that's the gold standard to head for and over the last few years I've realized that that's yeah I mean I do it I do it outside of one year no beer um uh, I do one-to-one -one coaching um but I've realized that it's not the only thing I want to do I want to be creating courses for people not just in fact nothing to do alcohol free um i i think that the whole alcohol free thing and one year no beer and alcohol free me and the masterminds and all that sort of thing are absolutely brilliant and i'm not 
I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I get nothing from it. It has changed my life. Mm. But as I move on with my own coaching service and training and and so on, it's beyond alcohol free. It's it's not in that realm, you know. What I really want mm. to get involved in is it started from, I suppose, a friend who is a therapist and she does meditations. She runs workshops and um, she wants to, or she does guided meditations. And we started doing a few recordings for her and I started writing music for it. So it was much more ambient, more um, trance. Well, you say trance and you end up talking about dance, don't you? But <laughs> <laughs> that did come to my mind immediately. Even saying that was ambient, you know, it's like, no, that's not going to work. You nowadays need to say meditation music. So um, I started looking into that and that got me interested in doing more and doing more courses. And I think actually... Through that, that's when it really started to kick in about doing my own business. Um, and it's not just coaching. It'll be things like recording stuff, creating stuff, doing videos and courses and, and all, all these kind of things, you know. I don't want to just do one thing. I've got to a stage in my life where I've done one thing, which is IT, for 30 years. There you go. I'm, I'm giving a wee bit of the game away. Um, I've got, I've got to that. I've got to a stage where I've taken it as far as I want to, um, and over the next five to ten years, um, probably about five years, building up my own business more and more. To maybe at one point I can leave IT completely, um, but that business it can't be one thing. It cannot be one thing. So there will be the music, um, there'll be the recordings. There might be podcasts. Who knows? They'll be helping other people. Um, oh, there's one. Um, a wee exclusive for you. Um, Andy, Andy Ramage. Um, I've just recorded the theme tune for his podcast. Um, oh, cool. Not told anybody that one yet. Um, so that's... I'll be knocking on your door for my <laughs> no worries. Um, I'll just give you the same one, don't worry. Um, a, a remix. <laughs> but um, it's that sort of thing, being able to help out with doing what I love doing, but doing it in uh, an area of well-being. Um, you know, that, that excites me nowadays. You know, the, the idea of being a rock and roll star, that's well gone. But it doesn't mean to say that I can't still write music, you know, that I can't still enjoy it. And... Uh, people can get something from it yeah absolutely it was um lovely to to hear you talking about something that you're clearly very passionate about and and your your hopes and dreams for the future and it sounds like those hopes and and dreams and where you have already come to and where you're going to be heading in the future has all been made possible by not drinking alcohol and by having three years of alcohol free under your belt so i think it's it's a fantastic thing and i wish you all the best of luck with everything in the future and i think you've done an amazing thing what what you're doing now and what you've done over the last few years to get here thank you very much simon and i know that you will do just as well i really do thanks and I always enjoy being part of the, the Zoom calls that we have together. We always have a, a nice little chat together. We normally have a little bit of a, a geek out about technical stuff because we're both into like sound recording stuff and that kind of thing. Um, 
and yeah, it's it's nice to be able to um, build a connection with you and and the other the pe- other people on one year no beer. Um, if you were to give some advice to someone who is thinking that they might need to do something about their alcohol consumption or they've already decided that they want to stop. What advice would you give to that person? Keep trying. Um, yeah. The, um, no matter what you're, you're trying, just now, keep at it. If that doesn't work, try something else. Um, as I said, I'm not here to represent One Year No Beer, but I truly believe that it's a great organisation. And it's a, it's a great way of helping people because it is a fantastic community. You know, and getting that support, getting people who are non-judgmental, getting people who have been there and understand and can keep giving you support is a fantastic thing. But more than anything, just keep trying. And I, I think that is very, very good advice because I know from personal experience and from a lot of other people, there's very few people who decide to give up drinking and then never drink again it's a process that does take quite a lot of time and there will be times when uh, when we do fail and when we have to reset um, but every time we reset we can learn something from it and carry on and I from my experience I it's it's taken me about three years of trying to stop to get to the point where I am now and you do just have to just every time that you have um, a little slip up or a reset or a blip or whatever you want to call it you just got to dust yourself off um, and and then try again and as long as you are trying again and you can learn from those mistakes or those slip ups as long as you can do that you're still succeeding yeah absolutely um so with when you stopped three and a bit years ago did you stop first time or did it take you multiple attempts um the embarrassing thing is i stopped first time oh did you (laughs) wow that is impressive well well done to you thanks but what i say to people I, i i don't say that one that often but what i say to people is i tried so many times i tried so many things and it was just getting worse and worse and worse you know okay it's a bit like um, if you lose weight and then you stop with a diet, you'll put on more weight than you actually lost. Um, every time I tried to stop drinking, I would come back drinking more. And it was getting worse and worse and worse. So there had been lots of times of... Um, there had been lots of times of trying and it not working. And uh, I think they say that there is a time when you're just ready. And I was, like I said, I wasn't that when I seen that, when I seen that article in BBC, um, I wasn't, I I wasn't at a low. I was actually quite happy. The sun was coming in through the window. You know, it was a Saturday morning. The family were still asleep. I was having my quiet time. Um, I was in my favorite place, you know, um, and I just seen that article. And for me, and it's something that I continue to say, because it didn't say you're a failure, because it said 
These are all the things you can do with your life. It asked me the question, what can you do with your life? You have the chance, if you aren't, if you don't drink alcohol, you have the chance to do that. It was so positive, the message was so positive. And that's what did it for me. You know, the realisation that I could do a lot more if I wasn't drinking. And that's a real key takeaway, isn't it? Rather than focusing on uh, what we're going to be missing out on by not drinking, if we focus on all of the things that we're gaining, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Matt, that was absolutely lovely to listen to you and hear your story and hear about your experience and to inspire other people who will be listening uh, so thank you very much for taking the time to come on to the podcast today well thanks very much for inviting me simon and it's been a real pleasure talking to you thanks a lot well that brings us to the end of today's episode if you'd like to hear more like this make sure you subscribe because there are new episodes coming out every friday so i wish you well on your alcohol-free journey and i'll catch you next time